So, uh, what is it? I feel like we're forgetting something. Uh, no, you're you're just thinking that you know we we've uh, we we locked the locks. We uh, we we shut all the doors. Um, did I turn we... the coffee pot off? No, you didn't. I did. What about the garage doors? That's it. I forgot to shut the garage doors. I feel like there's something else. Kevin! Home Alone 1 and 2. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you. That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Riders Bagel Basket. I am Scott Curlin. And I'm Dwight Stearns. Wacky boy here back for more action. What I don't know the what's going fuck on was that? That was my... Uh, so a lot's changed since we last talked, Scott. And I have developed a character and a personality called Dwight, who is just like me, but he's a little bit more intense. I feel like you got a second job as a as a zoom zoo crew dj uh yeah that's exactly it it's like one of those like um yeah people they rent out my voice to be used in uh hype situations and um yeah but that's all that's all i really have is just that one introduction and the rest is just really low energy so get ready for the rest of this (laughs) episode what if i mention your your radio show squeaky in the butt (laughs) well then I'm the butt, so that's really it. But anyways, <laughs> so so what did we watch? Oh, we for our Christmas watched, episode. We watched the seminal uh, movie film, uh, 1991, I believe. This is look at all the research I did. Uh, directed by Christopher Columbus, starring Macaulay Culkin and Catherine O'Hara, the one, the only, Home Alone. So this was 1990. Home Alone 2 was 1992. Okay. I only know that because in my research for this, in between, Chris Columbus directed Only the Lonely with John Candy. And that's why John Candy is in Home Alone. Oh, well, that Because they were that. doing pre-production. On that. Okay, that makes perfect On only sense. Th- and the other insane thing is that um, in Home Alone 2... The, the New York ticket agent, the one who's like, that's New York, sir. Mm-hmm. Isn't that Ali Sheedy? A- that's Ali Sheedy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I, I was I was looking up. Um, so Scott, uh, before we started this, Scott asked me, oh, do you want to talk about Home Alone 1 first and then Home Alone 2? And we'll do like one, I will do two episodes. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. And all of a sudden he's talking about Home Alone 2. Um, just kidding. But I, I was looking up uh, information about this and I was like, holy shit, Ali Sheedy was in this movie? And... Uh, that completely caught me off guard. It was uh, pretty cool. 
Well, I feel like we're, we're this is just going to bleed into one after the other. And so, like, I know you can't talk about Home Alone 2 without talking about Home Alone 1. And we're, we did both. So this is just going to yep. be the average Christmas special where we'll just do a big-ass <laughs> episode. Good, good. Uh, yeah, Home Alone 2 is intrinsically linked to Home Alone 1, specifically with all, like, the callbacks and everything that it does. Um, speaking of Chris, uh, Chris uh, John Candy, um, the my biggest issue with Home Alone 2 actually is that John Candy's not in it. I, I really wish that he was in it in some capacity. They got like most everyone back. But first, we should probably talk about what Home Alone is or is not. <laughs> yes. So why don't you give us the blockbuster rule? We get to do two blockbuster rules on this. Oh, we get to do Do I do I have to do both? Yeah. Do you ever so you'll do, do a one blockbuster now rule? and you'll do one in an hour? <laughs> Do you ever do the blockbuster rules, or do you make your guests do them? Well, it's because I always make the the guests do um, the the short paragraph wrap up of what the movie is. Gotcha, so. gotcha. So you make the guests do all the work. I see how it is. That's cool. That's cool. Well, that's cool. That's what if cool. I was like, well, if you didn't leave the podcast, I would have to do it. Wow. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's that's fair. Um, Home Alone. Um, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, back of the box. I'm picking this up in Blockbuster. Oh, what's this? A, a kid slapping his face on the cover? Hmm. Macaulay Culkin stars as Kevin McAllister, a rambunctious eight-year-old who, uh, after a series of mishaps, is left home alone. Kevin is experiencing his first taste of adult life with having to learn how to do the laundry, having to learn how to be... Uh, cook for him or order pizza and how to deal with the local criminals wet bandits marv uh fuck why can't i remember who plays marv god damn oh man daniel I know, stern I, thank you daniel stern. i know this daniel stern and harry uh joe pesci sorry little joe uh little joe pesci um are <laughs> I the, paid good money for you to say joe piscopo <laughs> that would have been funny too uh are the wet uh, are the wet bandits, and they have their eyes on Kevin's house. Hilarity ensues as Kev. This is like the biggest paragraph in the world for the back of a box. Hilarity ensues as the wet bandits uh, try to make this movie a rated R home invasion film, and Kevin fucking kills them. That's the end of the box. That's the back of the box. I feel like I feel like for the second one, you're just gonna be like, they do the same shit from the first movie, but in New York. Uh, control C, Control V, find replace uh, Chicago, New York. That's the second one. Uh, so, so this is one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies or holiday movies, however, however you want to do it. Like, I, I don't think I've talked about this on the, the podcast. I mean, I've mentioned I'm Jewish, but I have no problem with saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. It, it's just a state of mind. Yeah, I I, um, I mean, I, I will admit that I actively have, like, the privilege of this because I, I did celebrate Christmas growing up. And so at no point was it, like, weird to hear Merry Christmas. Like, that was obviously, like, the main thing that people said. But at this point, I have no issue. If, like, if somebody wishes me a Happy Hanukkah, fucking Happy Hanukkah to you. If someone wishes me, is it just Happy Kwanzaa? crazy kwanzaa i don't know what the kwanzaa uh idiom is that goes along with it but like that's great and like i have no problem saying happy holidays like it's i understand that it's just more of like the sentiment of the season um and it's you know 
like I, I do get like if someone's saying like Merry Christmas, how that can be exclusionatory. Um, but as a kid, people were like Merry Christmas, and I would have that one freedom fighter friend who'd be like, Scott is Jewish, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. So as long as you don't care and you don't mind, then that's totally fine. How is your Hanukkah going? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, this is, what, is this night four? Three. Three? I, I was... I, yeah. No, four. I, I, I don't know. Oh, shit. I'm a better Jewish person than Scott. Well, no. Like, See, here's the thing with Hanukkah. You just keep tally of the first night in my, in my family and the last night. So like in between... That's the way it's always been. You open presents on the first night, and then you open presents on the last night, and no one cares. That's cool. Um, I'm all about the food. Every holiday, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't really care okay. about presents. I, ca- I care about the food. Arbor Day, give me those tree cakes. Yeah, <laughs> tree cookies. <laughs> you uh, know me. I'm a cookie guy. I'm not a cake guy. We made sugar cookies. Oh, Tiffany made sugar cookies last night. They were so good. I can't wait to have one when we're done doing this. In yeah. fact, uh, well, that was a good writer's bagel basket. I'm going to go get me a sugar cookie. Sit your ass down. <laughs> so, uh, this movie I saw in theaters, the first one. Really? Yeah. Impressive. Um, so, <laughs> you've met my dad. <laughs> I have. I know you went to a thousand movies. Like yeah. you, went, you always were going to the movies growing up. Well, so I've told people this story before, um, and I want to know if you think my dad would actually do this, because he doesn't remember doing it, and my sister was like, he could have possibly, but every other friend that I know, I tell them this story, they're like, that is 100% John Curland. <laughs> so my dad, whenever we'd be in a, a movie theater, like if he wanted to go get snacks for us or popcorn or go to the bathroom, he would tell a complete stranger to be like, hey, can you watch my kid for a second? And okay, and it was it was and, the late eighties, early nineties. I can see that Stranger Danger was on the decline. I think. Um, okay, I, I told one of my friends that, and he is like, "I a hundred percent believe that your dad would do that." What it probably was was it probably happened once or maybe twice, and like so it's like crystallized in your mind five times. Okay, well that's a that's still I can even name the movies too. That that's a lot, but that's not like an insane amount. Like if it was like every movie, I feel like he would remember it. But if it's only like once or twice uh, throughout the year, then I can see him being like, ah. Well, because because I I I I got like nervous, and I was like, I was like, this isn't right. So I would I stood up. I left my coat and his coat on the thing, but I then went to get him and he's like oh yeah i could have just left the coats on the thing and no one would have stolen our seats was this for home alone or for the first home alone yeah yeah i can name every movie he's done it for and they're mainly christmas movies it must be just filled up with holiday joy around the time of that season so he just has to go get more snacks yep um so i saw this in theaters and i remember being like this is the height of of entertainment it still is. Uh, you're not wrong. Uh, four-year-old Scott was 100% correct on that. Yes, uh, I was four ho- years old. Home, Home Alone 1 is as close to, and obviously this isn't something a four-year-old is going to realize, 
I think Home Alone 1 is as close to like a perfect script and a perfect movie as you can get in terms of like setup, payoff, um, likable characters. We'll get to that, Scott. Um, and just like the amount of like madcap fun, we'll call it. It's just like such a fun movie to watch. It, yeah. I, I love this movie. It, it is phenomenal. I have a film theory about this movie that we'll get into. Ooh, la la. I'm excited. So, uh, Home Alone um, opens with one of the greatest, like, setup shots of all time, which is the the whole family is preparing to leave for... Oh, um, I thought you were going to say the little, <laughs> the little blue house and the black background and then the opening of okay, the title. That opening... Doesn't that make the movie feel like it's going to be a horror movie? That oh, always kind of scared me as a kid. Like it's such a like foreboding atmosphere. Like if you slow down John Williams' score and you just heard, yeah, you could put that in the trail. Like if if and when they make the horror, like the adult horror version of this, like that slowed down, like, like a twisted version of that is going to be playing over like the wet bandits walking through like dead bodies covered in blood. Like they did make a horror version of this. It's called saw. (laughs) Yes. I like that theory as well. That Kevin is jigsaw. Well, so we'll get into my film theory because I believe how the hell can, can Peter McAllister, afford that giant house in Chicago. So my Do they ever say what he does? That that's what my film theory is. I believe that the McAllisters are a mafia family that Rob handles New York and and Europe. Hmm. Peter handles uh the West Coast and Chicago start and and Uncle Frank, the Fredo Corleone of the family, (laughs) gets Toledo, Ohio. Okay, you know, um, I can see and, that because, like, you, you know, they never go into what he does, but they have like a such a nice house. That house is disgustingly nice. As a kid, you don't realize it, but when you get older, you're like, "What did they do to get that beautiful of a house?" Because that it's house huge. just sold in Chicago for like fifteen million dollars. Jesus Christ! I mean, housing markets have changed a little bit since the nineties. But that's still like that, that yeah. house had to have been fucking expensive in the nineties. That's nuts. There, there. So when Joe Pesci, uh, fake police officer, shows up, uh, Peter McAllister is like, "Am I in trouble, officer?" And then when <laughs> she says, when Kate McAllister says she called the police, he goes, "What did they say?" Like, oh, ooh! I'm gonna have to pay attention to him because he doesn't have that much to do. Like, like seriously, like in. He he really is only in like five scenes. He's he's not he's not that important of a character as far as I remember. Um, so that would be interesting seeing it from his perspective, like how like oh shit, what are the police going to say? What are they going to do? Why are they coming to our house? Like that type of that's awesome. Well, adding on to my theory is I also believe he purposely left Kevin home alone to see if he had the guts to uh, <laughs> to take over the family business. Well, because Buzz is such like, uh, you know, Buzz will be the the cleanup guy who will mm-hmm. clearly kill people. Big Pete Wrigley is going to be like the Michael Corleone, <laughs> but he wanted to see if if Kevin had what it took, and Kevin's technically the Michael Corleone. 
that family in general, I found st- it's still confusing to me. Like, I'm not 100% who is related to whom through what ways. Like, because Kevin has two older brothers and an older sister, or he has, so he has is it two, two brothers and two brothers, sisters? Two older sisters. He has, because I looked this up today, he has Buzz is the oldest, yep. followed by Big Pete, whatever <laughs> his character's name is. Then he has a younger sister. Uh, a, he's the youngest. So Linny is next. She's played by the girl from My Date with the President's Daughter. Oh, shit. I remember that movie. That was a Disney yeah. TV movie, right? Yeah, she was also... With Will uh, Friedel? It was Will Friedel? Will Friedel, yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. it. Um, and then they have another sister who's like, oh, he's so helpless. I forget her name. Les Linny- Incompetents. That's Linny. That's oh, okay. my day with the president's daughter. The other one is like, Kevin, you're so helpless. Is that the one who tells Kevin tough? Yeah. Kevin she's tough. the She's the one who is like, he must be so scared. He All alone. That one. Yeah. Which, which leads to, uh, we're jumping around at this point, but that leads to one of my favorite deliveries of all time from Buzz. Just in general. The, um, I think. Uh, a. A. Two. Two. D. And D. So fucking funny like the first time i realized that's what he said it i still to this day i love that that joke and i will use it like if i'm giving a list of stuff you just like randomly put things out of order so funny so you want to get into the greatest opening of a movie you love how it it, well it's not maybe it's not the greatest but it's it's fantastic it's so (laughs) efficient like have you not seen star wars (laughs) i just watched star wars yesterday yeah that's the greatest opening of a movie um, I also watched Rogue One, which I guess is the opening to A New Hope. Like A New Hope's opening is like three hours long, man. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but the opening is so efficient in setting up like all of your characters. It, it's it's just screenwriting one hundred and one. It's you get your conflict immediately. You get your your characters. You get their motivations specifically, like. Um, Kevin uh, and and his family and like you get like old man Marley's introduced like which is literally the climax of the film like the resolution of the film is introduced right at the opening which is awesome um, you get I believe like, old man Marley works for Peter McAllister in my my theory he's he's a hit and he, and he actually does take care of the bodies like he's not yeah. just like a, a friendly old man he's like Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises where you just see him with all of these tattoos underneath his shirt and he's cutting a guy's thumbs off. Well, you know, Aragorn oh. uh, took took a turn later in life. Oh, and... I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm just an old man. I can't do anything. I don't see my family. And then he beats the shit out of two men with a, with a shovel. Like, that's no his, hesitation, that's no surrender. It's nuts. Um, yeah, something's going on with him. He is not the, the weak, frail old man. Uh, he... And then in New York, the pigeon lady works for Rob McAllister for that side. Like in John Wick, like how the the... <laughs> assassins are homeless people in John Wick 2? I have not a problem with Pigeon Lady, but she just feels so out of place. Like Academy Award winner Brenda Fricker? Is that who that is? I have no idea who played it. No, it's, it's, uh, it's douchebag Piers Morgan. I hate when people fucking say that. <laughs> she is a talented, wonderful actress. He is a piece of shit. <laughs> and he's just so bloated. and uh, he's, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I agree. But I, I didn't see that until this year. Like, this was the first year that I saw the Onion headlines for that, which uh, made me chuckle. 
uh, fuck the onion or the hard times or whoever did whichever one it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the opening is is so like I said efficient. It sets everything up and um like it, it removes like it explains why Kevin uh is not there. Um it all mostly makes sense in terms of like why Kevin gets left behind um and why his family would be like rushing and 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 would have forgotten him. So Well, did you notice that with the milk when when in the pizza scene when they knock over They the throw milk? away his his ticket, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, it's so good. Like everything is explained. Like they throw away his ticket by accident with the milk that you know is because of Kevin um, and Buzz, mostly Buzz. And like they set up Kevin's cheese pizza, which also like then sets up like Nero. And they also set up Angels with Filthy Souls because like that's the movie that Frank won't let them uh, that uh, their mom won't let him watch or, or Catherine O'Hara it's won't Frank. let him watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he goes to to Catherine O'Hara and is like, "Can I watch it? If Frank says it's bad, it must be really bad." Um, yeah, just the opening is 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 phenomenal, like, and it, it introduces Joe Pesci, so good. And this movie, like the structure, is so fun because like once you get into the fun in games portion in the middle, it's legitimately fun. Like there's no need for a plot to be advancing. It's just watching Kevin do silly things that was just like every little kid's dream. Like the when he goes sledding down the stairs. I wanted to do that. That looked. Yeah, I think I did. But watching it. Like, it again this time, the angle, I'm like, he would have killed himself. Absolutely not. Yeah, he would not. He have wouldn't have, made have it out gone of that. out the w- door. He would have like smashed right into the awning. Absolutely. Yeah. He would not. That does not quite add up. But then the wet bandits show up, and there's this dead kid, and they're like, "Okay, let's wait. go grab the stuff." <laughs> Crowbars up. Clink. Oh man. Did you know Daniel Stern wasn't originally cast as Marv? I do. Um, I did. Uh, yeah, they got like a, a week into shooting, or it was a while into shooting before they ended up actually bringing him in. Because if I'm not mistaken, he auditioned for the part and didn't get it. Right. And then um, after whoever it was, I don't remember who. who Daniel who, Roback. Okay. I don't even know okay, who that is. Okay, so he, was, he played Jay Leto in the HBO TV movie The Late Shift. He he I've plays Jay Leno in a lot of stuff. Do you remember the <laughs> Disney Channel movie Quince? Uh, I remember it existing. I don't think I ever watched it. He was the dad. Just picture a guy who looks like Jay Leno. Okay, I got Jay Leno in my mind. Yeah, that's what cool. this guy looks like. Um, so he was kind of... Um, forgive me for saying that. It was he a little bit like on the chubbier side then? Or? Uh, kind of. Well, Pesci hated him is what... Yeah, that'll do it too. Pesci's like, uh, we have no chemistry. (laughs) Uh, Well, hadn't Pesci and and Stern worked together on a prior project before this? um, So they worked together on, um, I think, was it Pesci was a producer on uh, Diner? Um. Sure. Uh, which Daniel Stern starred in, so. Yeah, because I feel like they had worked together before, and like so that's part of the reason why it worked out really easily when Daniel Stern kind of slotted in. Um, I watched um, the uh, how, not how did they get made the, the 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 movie one the the movies that made us. That's it. Thank you. I watched that, uh, yeah. and on that that episode on this, and that's where I think I learned that. Um, yeah, which is cool. It's a really neat little little factoid. Yeah, I'm trying to send you a photo of this guy. <laughs> Cause he oh, looks of, of, of Jay Leno? Yeah, Daniel Roback. 
because he looks so much like like Leno. But um, because the crazy thing with with this movie is that you really need people who have chemistry with one another for their um their scenes that they're in. Because if Catherine O'Hara didn't have chemistry with with neither John Hurd or um, the uh, Kulk. the Kulk, which <laughs> or or even um, John Candy. Well, yeah, you knew they were going to have chemistry because they well, were yeah, on SCTV. Exactly, yeah. Which was one of those things where I I never actually watched SCTV, but like I, I'm vaguely aware of it. Thank you for that. Oh, I liked um, SCTV better than SNL. Oh, I can see that. Oh, yeah, this guy would not have been great. No. Matlock? Okay, fine. Sure, whatever. Uh, yeah. Daniel Stern like just looks like a, a wiry, weasely man, so that Cause is also, perfect. Uh, Roback, or Roebuck is the same height as Pesci. You need someone taller than Pesci. Well, that's what I was going to say. So w- when you were saying he does Jay Leno stuff, and Jay Leno, uh, maybe I'm thinking of like late Jay Leno, uh, but he always has kind of like the puffy face. He's a little bit on the larger side. And Joe Joe Pesci, while he's not like a big guy, he's definitely like more like stocky. He's a little wide, um, just like in the broad in the shoulders. So I, I, I wouldn't have pictured somebody like looking like Jay Leno and Pesci looking good together. That's why him and Stern are great because like they're like, Stern's like three feet taller than Joe Pesci, and he's like a wire compared to Joe Pesci's like linebacker. I know he's not really that big, but it's it's how they visually look next to each other, which is great. Like it's it makes for like an instantly recognizable like duo. Just like their silhouettes are perfect. It it's ah it's so well done. Pesci was the third choice. Really, I don't remember that. That's cool. De Niro was first. De Niro said no. Uh, he's too mean. Like Joe De Niro Pesci's says mean, no but... to a lot of stuff. He said no to big. Wow. Uh, by mean, I mean I feel like he play like he looks because uh, Joe Pesci's like a a little gremlin. Like he looks like like grumpy and mean, but he well, doesn't look like evil. Like I think uh, De, uh, De, Niro De Niro always does. has a sourpuss on his face. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe Pesci can play that like. Uh, like in Goodfellas, is, is Goodfellas the why you think I'm funny? Is that, funny that like one? a clown. Yeah. Funny, funny how that one. Like he has that. Like he can be sweet and he can be like put on a smile, but it's always like unsettling. Right. And then number two, I think you would have preferred Devito. Oh well, fucking that's not even fair. Of course, yeah. Well, that would have completely changed the tone of everything, and it would have been. De- I would have. Hmm, I don't know if I would have preferred it because Danny DeVito, I don't think, can play menacing like the way that Pesci can because his body type is so awkward. Well, like he, he twins. Like, yeah, and like the penguin, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't. I would. I don't think it would have been believable seeing him like move. Like right. I don't. I feel like Kevin could just run away from him. Well, so so Pesci kept saying fuck. It. So many times, like, like anytime he got hurt or like slipped on something, he would go fuck. And Chris Columbus was like, "Say fridge," and said so. That's why he's like frigid, 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 frigid. I. Uh, so, my experience watching these movies, you briefly talked that you saw them in theaters. I did not. Um, I only saw them after they came out on VHS, and yeah. I watched them to death, specifically yeah. at my grandmother's house where. My cousin 
and I would just watch them over and over and over again. We didn't care if it was uh, Christmas time or you know the middle of the summer. We were watching Home Alone. We loved these movies. Um, and he, my my cousin, is like four years older than me, so he was um, very. He wouldn't let you sleep in his room if you were growing on his ass. Probably not. No, definitely not. But he was, um, you know, a lot more mature we'll say and like he would say like bad words and stuff like that so like there was times when i was still pretty young and joe pesci was like ratchet 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 he was like i know what he's saying i was like oh what tell me can you tell me And he's like not gonna tell you it's not appropriate and for the longest time i had no idea what joe pesci was saying <laughs> um, then you put down micro machines and made that kid break his neck jesus christ we can get it we'll get into that but holy shit these people would not have lived throughout this movie yeah We'll talk about that because did you watch? I watched the honest action of this. I watched. There was something that was like um, the a like doctor movie, movie physics. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a doctor. It was like some guy like who like went through like the the physics of the the paint can stuff and all that. Like just how much that would annihilate you. Yeah. So honest action. The guys who do honest trailers on Screen Junkies did honest action uh, for two years. One Christmas was Home Alone. One Christmas was uh, uh, Die Hard. Oh, so, nice. Home Alone 1 and 2, guess how many times Marvin Harry die? In for both one? movies. In, uh, okay. Com- both movies com- combined. For combined. Um, I don't think they died that many times in one. That I can think of. Dying. Paint cans and maybe the rope. Like when they when they fall, this is just my own personal because I don't think the micro machines would kill you, the feathers wouldn't kill you, stepping on uh, ornaments wouldn't kill you. Like you could make an argument for falling down the stairs, but the way he does, I don't think would because he kind of falls on his back and then slides. It does because really? he's, he because he steps on a nail and there's a artery in oh, your foot. I'm sorry, I'm talking about a different one. I'm talking about when he falls down the back steps that are that are right. slicked with ice. And like maybe you could say Joe Pesci would, would would die when he falls up the front stairs and does like a half gainer into like onto the ice. I can okay, you're right. I can see the nail because he falls down like a large set of stairs. But maybe there's the also iron. an artery in the foot. Oh, okay. That would have like been severed or been punctured. <laughs> and maybe the iron. Okay, so four times in the first one. Um The blowtorch too. That would kill you? Yeah, because uh, it would be a, a fourth degree burn. Huh, okay. It would expose it would expose your expose your skull. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's fair. I saw a saw f- 3 though and a guy got his head cut into and he lived with his skull <laughs> exposed. Anyways, um he lived for a little while. Spoiler alert. Um and then in 2, oh fuck, like everything kills them in 2. Uh the the bricks, like there's like four bricks that hit, or maybe it's four or five. Every single one of those would kill Marv. Um, falling down all of the holes would have killed Marv and Harry. They both fell down several of those. Uh, probably the um, fall off of the kerosene lamp. Probably the fall off of, um, or when the uh, the tool chest crushes them. That would probably do it. Once again, we'll get into this, but part two becomes a cartoon in like, a ridiculous way because when they jump out of the toy store and they're on that seesaw, no one would humanly be launched that far. But if we're going with dying, being launched 50 feet in the air and then falling onto a car would probably kill you. So I don't know what I'm up to like 15 times. I've lost track. A lot would kill you in these movies. 34 times between both. 34. Oh, that's right. Cause they do the paint cans again with the fucking, uh, 
lead pipe or whatever that is. 34. That's nuts. Yeah. So, so I think it was like 11 or 12 in the first movie and then like 22 times in the second movie. That's nuts. The the one that I watched was the Vsauce one. Uh, okay. Could you could you survive Home Alone? Where they go into it? I think they go into the physics of the paint can and one other piece. I forget what. This is also the first Home Alone movie, and I believe the second one is one of Roger Ebert's most hated movies. Really? Come on, man. Why? He just hates it. He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. Well, guess what? He's dead, so his opinion doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> that sucks. So, That's too bad. I, I mean, it's not like a masterpiece by like adult film standards, but as a kid's film, it's so fantastic. Haley, Haley thinks that I'm crazy, um, just in general. She's right. But, <laughs> she's right. Okay. She thinks I'm crazy that when I'm watching a movie and I see food in a movie and it makes me want, want it, I'm like... Watching Home Alone or Home Alone 2, you don't want pizza? And she goes, no. Every time I see Home Alone, or especially in Home Alone 2, when they open up the... the Rob Schneider opens up that cheese pizza and the steam. I was watching, when I watched it this time, I was like, I wonder if they like sprayed something in there to get it to be steamy. Or because there's no way that pizza was still hot at that point. <laughs> like, it was just, that pizza looked so good. Yeah. Speaking of food, the number one thing that I want to eat from these movies is Kevin's microwave macaroni and cheese from the first movie. I have that, such a problem with that scene. Not the not the macaroni and cheese. It looks is it so that good. he leaves it there? Not just that, but it's it, okay. I'm gonna get so angry. I got so angry talking about this with Haley that he doesn't give him. He knows they're coming at 9 p.m. Right? You don't eat before when you're when you're nine years old. Food is everything yeah he would have eaten first exactly that 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 makes me so mad i'm like come on man you can make all these fancy things but your time management skills are so piss poor that you have to sit down and like eat just as it's ringing nine and then he leaves it there he leaves it there doesn't even take a bite i would have like taken a bite and then like then gone off and it looked i would have been like it looked so good too oh man (laughs) Fuck you, Macaulay Culkin, and your father who stole most of your money, Kit Culkin. I, speaking of Macaulay Culkin, I am really happy that he is doing very well. Um, yeah. He, he has uh, kind of had a, like a little resurgence lately. and it, Last it, five it, years. It, it makes me really happy to see that he's, um, he's, doing, he's in a much better place than he clearly was, well, which, so which I love. He never has to work again because he's made three or like, four movies that are played every year. That makes sense. That, you know, our holiday movies. Uncle Besides Buck these is, two. Oh, Uncle Buck. That's right. And probably My Girl? Uh, Richie Rich is technically. When does Richie Rich get played? Richie Rich is technically a Christmas movie. <laughs> I have opinions about just because something's set at a time period does not make it a holiday movie. Fuck you. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. No, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because die because the Christmas portion of Die Hard is like intrinsic to the themes of family and coming together. And it if the, it took place at any other time of year, most companies don't really have like holiday parties outside of the fourth or outside of like Christmas time, which is is important to the plot of the movie. So yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I agree. Yeah, and also it has like the the 
Dickensian style of bettering yourself mm-hmm. through. Absolutely. Like it, they're, they're, the thematics are, are 100% there. However, something like... Lethal Weapon. Yeah, like Lethal Weapon, it could it could take place in like March, and it, and it would not change the movie. It just it's a backdrop, um, and the, just because you have a backdrop of something does not make it a holiday movie. Do you consider um, Batman Returns a Christmas movie? Uh, I haven't seen Batman Returns in a long time, so I, I could not tell you, to be honest. I do. So yeah. Well, in that case, you're wrong. So no, it's <laughs> okay. absolutely not a Christmas movie. But also, the fuck you, Die Hard is a Christmas movie wasn't aimed at you. It was aimed at people who were like, it's not a Christmas movie. I, I do understand the mentality of like, in the last like five years, 10 years really at this point, the Die Hard is a Christmas movie meme has really exploded. And like, people get so smug about it when they're like, My, hey, hey, Bill, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Mine's Die Hard! (laughs) And it's like, we get it. You're being edgy. You're being funny. You're being cool. Sure. Hey, Scott, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Um... Home Alone's up there. So my favorite Christmas movie... I thought it was Die Hard. I was trying to be a dick. I'm sorry. No, it's not Die Hard. Actually, um, for the longest time, it was It's a Wonderful Life. And then... It's now a different Jimmy Stewart Christmas movie. The <laughs> Shop Around the one. Corner is one of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Very it's cool. what um, uh, You've Got Mail is based on. Oh, the internet. Well, back then in Shop <laughs> Around the Corner, it's he's exchanging letters with this woman he's never met. That's neat. And she, she works in the store that he is manager of on Christmas. It takes place all around Christmas. And That's they're cool. supposed to meet on Christmas, but they hate each other in real life, but they love each other in letters. Dun, dun, dun. Wonderful Life is another one of those movies that I think people have that debate about whether or not it actually is a Christmas movie. Just because, like, it it takes – I can understand it is because, you know, like, the theming and the family and, and, like, personal growth and not killing yourself uh, is definitely very Christmassy. But, um, like, the, some of it doesn't take place at Christmas, and there's a lot that's, like, not necessarily christmas adjacent yeah technically the argument of that could be made with the second home alone movie not the first one so much you know you're not wrong because the second one they just happen to be going away at christmas and then like they shoehorn shoehorn not shoehorn shoehorn in christmas trees like oh kevin likes christmas trees so christmas trees. well that's what he kills people with that's his mo (laughs) uh well they do go to a christmas christmas pageant in Home Alone 2. Uh. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I have thoughts. I mean, because you know how I feel about the McAllister family. Yeah, apparently you hate them. What's up with that? Can we get okay, into, so in, into your hatred of the McAllisters? The most lovely I hate family every on the McAllister except for Kevin and Peter. Oh, I think I think you walked that back because if I'm not mistaken, in the message you sent me, you said you hate every McAllister except for Kevin. Why do you like Peter all of a sudden? Well, watching it again, I was like, yeah, Peter is just being the dad of listen to your mother, go to your room. And like, like he's really concerned when his kid is lost where Kate McAllister, like she is so awful to Kevin until he's gone. Like, like my biggest problem with the McAllister family is how quick they turn on Kevin and they're like, oh, he's such a little shit and blah, blah, blah. There are incidents leading up to him behaving the way he is. Keep in mind, he is nine years old. 
Buzz is 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. I think he's 16 in this one, and he is 17 or 18 in the next one. Yeah, it technically takes place the next year, so. Yeah, yeah. Because they said uh, multiple times, last year, we left Kevin home last year, last year. Right. So so he's not, Kevin's nine in this one and ten in the second one. So the thing that pisses me off is that Buzz is the oldest. Mm-hmm. He is, he, the oldest child is supposed to set the example. His behavior is such bullshit and no one says a fucking word and they know that they he picks on Kevin all the time. Yeah, and, he's definitely a dick. <laughs> yeah, and and then like, the other problem I have is is the amount that they get the family, the entire family, not just the the uh, seven McAllisters that are the whole family <laughs> that live in that giant the basic ass house. family. The you're they, talking the extended family with the cousins yeah. and the yeah, and Uncle Frank, who I think Uncle Frank is the biggest garbage person in uh, the world. I will give you Uncle Frank is an absolute asshole. He's probably the worst out of all of them just because like he he actively revels in like Kevin's displeasure or and like Kevin's misery as an adult. That's a really shitty thing to do. Like he is such a dick. Uh, and, you and better not sec- wreck my Christmas. Your dad's paying good money for this. That's what I was saying. In the second movie, he is such an entitled asshole where he's like your dad's paying good money for this or like I forget. Someone calls him out as being like a cheapskate or something like that. Just Kevin because. does. He goes, "Sorry, wouldn't want to ruin your free vacation, Mister Cheapskate." Yeah, it's it's because like he is such a fucking mooch. Uh, Frank is. It's insane. That's like, why he's given the Toledo office to run for the mafia. Yeah, and and what what is it like at the very end of the second movie when they're opening all the presents? Nobody opened any of mine, and it's just <clears throat> what a what an absolute unredeemable asshole well and his also, wife seems very nice so i don't know why she went with him i th- i think his wife is like like did you see fargo season two i've only seen season one of fargo uh season two you it? find out that the the father of this mafia family dies and that it was really the wife who was running things all along i feel like <laughs> i feel like aunt leslie is is that type of person that makes sense yeah but, especially with frank but also, like, everyone in Kevin's family, with the exception of Peter, treats him like shit. Because Peter is actually a pretty good dad to him. Like, when he picks him up and he's like, oh, I got a Christmas present for you, this guy. <laughs> like, and, and when he finds out that Kevin ruined his fish hooks, he's like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, my new fish hooks? Well, I'm not going to use the old ones. They got guts all over them. Okay, you got me. Touche. No, that's but, fair. And and then like the, what made me realize this is in the second one because Kate McAllister does not change. Like in the first movie, she had the biggest scare of her life. Her 9-year-old baby boy is home alone in Chicago. Chicago in the 1990s was a fucking scary place. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you're not wrong, but I don't think the McAllister neighborhood was a scary place. That place was yeah, all mil- multi-million they, dollar homes. Technically, they live in, in Shermer, Illinois, which is like five minutes away from Chicago because everyone in a John Hughes movie lives in Shermer. <laughs> so, but who knows? John Bender could have broke into the house with Marvin uh, Harry, too. You never know. Now, what that if Harry's son was John Bender? 
oh shit, that would have been awesome. That would have made a yeah. lot of sense, actually. <laughs> that made a lot more of sense. But but Kate McAllister doesn't learn jack shit because in at the beginning of the second movie, she's like, "Well, last year you got your wish. Maybe you'll get your wish again." And it's like, "Did that you was not- really cruel." Yeah. Did you not learn fucking anything from the first goddamn movie? Uh, you know, you're not wrong. Um, but I, I also give her a little bit of a pass because based off of how um, the father acts, I don't think he's helping that much. I think he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, Kevin, do whatever you want. And Kate's like, no, motherfucker, our kids need some sort of discipline or some sort of like, you know, somebody needs to be the enforcer in this family. And it's right. not going to be the dad. So she has to kind of step up to be but that she, like, she not doesn't mean, see but through the, Buzz's the bullshit. Like. The the other problem I had is in the trial scene in in Home Alone <laughs> two, yeah. When when uh, he goes beat that you little trout sniffer, like everyone would have been able to hear him. Yeah, yeah, because he's right there and he does not whisper it. He's just basically like beat that you little trout sniffer. But he kind of turns. You don't see his face, so maybe. Buzz also, is a dick. Like he's a massive dick. This is a family of psychopaths because Fuller's going to grow up to be a serial killer. Yeah. Um, Fuller, Fuller wets the bed and he's like eight years old. And he's like proud of it. He's like, watch me drink this drink that like is an Eyebrows, eyebrows, of, eyebrows. Like, yeah. And he's like, I am I am now like prepping the time bomb of, of my piss to, for, to get you later. Which is like, in general, a psychopathic thing to do. Um yeah. Hey, easy on the soda, pal. We already packed the rubber sheets. Well, well, not just that. Did you notice the product placement changed between both movies? Uh, it was Pepsi in the first one. Was it something it's different Coke in the, in the second, second one? I did not know that, no. Yeah, and they make it very clear that it's changed. <laughs> That's funny, because I don't recall, but I, the, I remember Pepsi very, very clearly from the first movie. But, yeah, like... Everyone in this family, Kevin himself is on the verge of being a psychopath because oh, yeah. he's torturing the, these guys, which, like, if you look at it, you know there's some film theory on the internet that these poor wet bandits are actually the victims. They're just trying to make <laughs> money in this 1989, 1990s, uh, you know, economy. They were clearly uh, screwed uh, by Reaganomics, and this is them yeah. like lashing out. Um, right. do, in in either movie, do they set up Kevin being a good, like that he can set up these traps? Because in the even in the first movie, some of the things he does is pretty um, elaborate. The second movie is clearly much more elaborate, but the first one, like even the one with like the um, the sticky paper and like the the feathers like that requires like a little bit of thought do they ever really set up kevin as being a um evil mastermind or is it just like we're along for the ride enjoy it i i think no because if he was he would have been able to get buzz's life savings without breaking everything yeah i think their idea of setting it up is the fact that he can set up the the little action figure sports stars and then shoot them 
and understand cause and effect in the terms of when he shot the. I think it was like a soup spoon or something, like a, a, a it was, mixing it was, spoon. It's a pasta strainer. There we go. That that's what falls down type of thing to hold up the the laundry chute. Did you have those action figures as a kid? The sports star. No, ones? I did not. I was so, not a sports boy. I wasn't a sports boy either. But we got them for free. We went to we won tickets on the radio to uh, a Red Sox game or something. Or cool. my dad's Rotary Club. He won the raffle, and mm-hmm. my family got to go see the Red Sox. And it came with these Roger Clemens. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, did you ever uh, shoot them with BBs? Because I know I would absolutely have. If I wasn't I had. allowed to have a BB gun. I wasn't even allowed to have a slingshot. The I had a BB gun, and the stupidest thing I ever did with it was shoot at a bowling ball. Because <laughs> we were trying to shoot into the we were trying to shoot into the uh, the finger holes or whatever, and we had a bowling ball in my backyard for some reason, and we just shot at it. Uh, that ricocheted once, and then we never shot at the bowling ball again. Well, the way Kevin is with with the BB gun is like he's freaking in full metal jacket. Yeah, like that. Oh, first off, the the sound design of the him shooting in that sequence is so satisfying. But yeah, he like is like one shot, one kill. Like he is disgustingly accurate. As a kid, would you ever say like this is it? Don't get scared. No, I, I don't. You know, oh, okay. Real talk. Probably because I saw it in this movie, but um, I because that's what kids do is they just repeat phrases that they hear in movies as catchphrases. But I don't think I really talked out loud to myself that much. Maybe I did. I don't. I do now, so I, I probably did back then. Um, Isn't that right, Dwight? Yes, you are. Correct. Yes, Dwight. No, <laughs> no. I just I'm like, what do I need to do now? This, 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 and this. Yeah, I talk out loud all the time. Um, the the line I would say the most from this movie is, "You give up, or you thirsty for more." <laughs> I don't know what my most quoted line would have been from this movie. Definitely, I definitely quoted this movie a lot. I, I loved. This I movie. got in trouble one time, so I stuck with that because I did say <laughs> that I, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. And also, the other line that I got in trouble for is, um, I didn't realize that that there was someone there that they thought I was talking about them, but to myself I went buzz your girlfriend woof, woof. <laughs> and like there was someone like standing behind me and they're like you don't think that of me do you scott i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know who no i don't that um common knowledge uh so i'm sure this is not a surprise to anybody but uh in that sequence it is not actually a little girl it is one of like the production designer's sons or something like that yeah um because they thought it would be mean to actively make fun of a a young girl uh, yeah. In a picture like that, which is kind of neat. I, I, I appreciate the the niceties of that. Yeah. In the first movie, um, I was re-watching it today before we recorded, and I don't think Kevin would have been mean to old man Marley if he, or scared of old man Marley, if he hadn't have heard that story. Uh, I 100% agree with you, because I feel like most children are pretty trusting of I don't know. He might like Old Man Marley had like a scary demeanor, um, but like I feel like especially if he had seen him growing up around the neighborhood, I don't think he would have been super kind of scared. Although they also Old Man Marley even says that his family moves to the neighborhood, so hmm, I don't know. But that's Do kind you know of a, how old that guy was when he made this movie. Oh, please tell me he was like thirty eight. 
<laughs> he was like 46 or 48. Gee, wow. Wow. He had some he, they, city they, miles they, on him. Yeah. Oof. They, oh, oof. why you look so shocked? I invented crack. <laughs> he was, oof, wow. Yeah, he's, he was craggy. Because uh, he way. died like a few years ago. Oh, no. Boo. That's like, too bad. He, uh, I loved the old Ben Marley stuff. I, as a kid, like, um, that story of that he says didn't really like resonate with me or like affect me. The older I get now, I am like heartbroken every time old man Marley talks about like his family and like not getting, they found out he was a hitman for the McAllister crime family. And that was probably it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But like the, the whole, I love the whole church scene in general, actually just like the aesthetic of it. And, um, I love the music that they're singing in it. I, I don't know why, but it just sounds really pleasant to me. It always has. Um, and that whole scene is, uh, it should have been boring to, to it, four to eight-year-old Dwight when I was watching this, but I adored it. Still do. Also, I always loved Macaulay Culkin's face of just like the, huh? <laughs> but, but Like as he's like walking up to him, he's like, oh my God, this is my death. <laughs> well, it's not just that. It, it's like, it's more of a slack jaw, like, huh? <laughs> Momo? <laughs> like... Um, I remember watching this movie growing up and uh, my mom hated it because she thought that Macaulay Culkin... My mom hated it too. Probably for the same reason. I would Maybe. Uh, my mom hated Macaulay Culkin. She thought he was so mean and rude to all of the adults. And so she clearly did not want me to be emulating that behavior. Not that I ever fucking did. But, That's um, not why my mom hated it. <laughs> my mom hated it because of the bad parenting. <laughs> like, oh, well, who would leave their child home alone? <laughs> That's fair too. And then, like when when it's like when we graduated high school, my mom's like, "Oh, this movie's cute." I'm like, "You didn't used to feel that way." And she's like, "I never said that." <laughs> that's a, that's a mom thing. Rewriting history, my mom does it all the time. Um, but the the scene that she always brings up is uh, when he's walking home from the grocery store and all of his bags break. Uh, I don't know why, but she always brings that up. Like she'll bring it up randomly. She'll be like, "Oh, do you remember in Home Alone when when Kevin's bags break?" I'm Wait, like, yeah. did she say what my mom says that they should have double bagged it with uh, paper bags and then plastic? <laughs> no, she doesn't say anything like that. But she's just like, <laughs> every time I carry in bags, it makes me think of that. And I'm like, okay, sure. Well, but. if he just recycled and brought recyclable bags, he wouldn't have had that problem. It was the nineties. It was of course it, just, it was in the nineties. That full house used to. Joey would come home from the grocery store with with like tote bags. Yeah, well, they lived in San Diego, San Francisco, San Francisco. So class, yeah, whatever. They lived in San Francisco, which is a little bit more progressive than I would argue Chicago was in the early nineties. The craziest thing with this movie is not the fact that he commits Looney Tunes-style murders. Um, for me, one of the craziest things, and this is going back to Frank being a dick. Okay. The craziest thing to me is that when, when Frank McAllister is in both homes, he acts like he owns the joint. He grabs the <laughs> pizza from the pizza guy, and he's like, my, my brother will pay you. And then when he's in the the French chateau, as I'll call it, the French penthouse, and she's like, "No, Frank, I want to leave those. I'm saving those for later." And he's I got like, the little shrimp, Yeah. Oh god, that wasn't even supposed to be that guy. It, originally, what, it was offered to Kelsey Grammer. 
Ooh, uh, I mean, I can see Kelsey Grammer doing it. It's so weird to be like, oh, well, it would have been this other person. Because, like, I mean, it's I've been watching this movie for 30 years with one person in, as Frank. Um, so it's, I have a hard time thinking of Kelsey Grammer 30 years ago playing this role. But that guy is such a perfect piece of shit. I, I really can't see Kelsey Grammer doing that. He was a very good actor. but Yeah. And I think that's like this and this and Home Alone 2 are like the only stuff he's really in. This actor? That makes yeah. it even better to me. Like he's just this one random character actor who plays one get one well, guy. Well, he never has to work it. again. <laughs> like, do you think he gets that much re- uh, res- uh, residuals from this movie? On- honestly, probably because he's billed. I think he would be like sixth for residuals. It would be Macaulay, Pesci, Stern, O'Hara, Heard, then him. Really? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because like everyone else, it, like like John Candy is a cameo. I, was John Candy even credited? No, like, he's uncredited. Yeah, there you go. And so. he improvised all of his lines, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but like Frank McAllister is just such a dick, and his line is actually the line I quote the most: "The uh, look what you did, you little jerk." jerk. Well, when he says "jerk," and like, well, sit is so good. Well, the crazy thing is it also shows you the perspective of a child remembering stuff differently because when it really happens, he goes, look what you did, you little jerk. And then, like, in his mind, it's like, look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. Oh, very well done. That that whole, the memories and everything. And then, ah. Because that's what a kid's brain is like, too. Um, yeah, and, and just, you know, memories in general, you can distort them or, like, you perceive somebody talking to you a different way than they perceive them talking to you. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, in an eight, nine-year-old's mind. So, Want to hear a funny story from when I worked at a movie theater? I'm good. Uh, so in Home Alone 2... No, what's up? So, so we used to play the movie quote game where we would try and do, like, an obscure deep cut quote. And there was this one kid who clearly... Shouldn't have been working in a movie theater because all he would do was quote lines from Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. We'd be like, yes, we know. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Sounds like you were really mean coworkers. Well, no, because he would just say the same three lines. He wouldn't like switch it up. <laughs> he wouldn't say like crowbars up or... Look what you did, you little jerk. Uh, no, and... Right, he would. The three Kevin. lines he would say are, "I made my family disappear," or, "I'm one. in New York and they're in Florida. They're in Florida and I'm in New York, and have a lovely day." Like, oh, Tim Curry, oh, Tim Curry in this movie. Uh, I think I'm 99 percent sure this was the first movie I ever saw Tim Curry in. Um, I'm like trying to think of like what else I could have seen because this movie came out in '92, so I would have been. Uh, I saw him in Clue before this. See, I wouldn't have seen Clue before '92. Um, I remember I the first time I saw Clue, and it, I was like older than this. Uh, but I, because '92, Rocky Horror Picture been, Show, <laughs> I would have been five years old when 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 two came out. So I don't think I would have seen anything else that Tim Curry would have been in. I'm pretty sure this is my first ex- exposure. I know it's my first exposure to um, Rob Schneider. So Schneider uh, Schneider was auditioning for this role with another SNL cast member. Can you guess who the SNL cast member who was up for this role with him was? 
for this role in 1992, uh, wouldn't have been Farley because Farley was already big. Adam Sandler? It was Sandler. I thought you were going to say Spade because normally when I say that, people say Spade. I could see that. But but like Sandler would have been so weird. Oh yeah. Cool. <laughs> that would have been interesting. So he like Sandler. Yeah, I don't think Sandler Sandler's energy doesn't match that. Like Schneider is like perfect for that. Like a little bit subdued, but like can be a little over the top. But he doesn't need to go over the top for this. Sandler at that point in his career, I feel was only over the top. Right, because Sandler at this point. He was in Coneheads with Farley, and then he did Airheads, and then he did uh, Billy Madison, and then he was Adam Sandler. Billy Madison Heads, and then Happy Gilmore Heads, and then Waterboy Heads. It was good. All the Heads movies. The Heads uh, quadrilogy. Well, the crazy thing is, Schneider did this, and he did um, Beverly Hillbillies back-to-back. Like, Who was he in Beverly Hillbillies? He wasn't Jethro. No, or... No, no, he was he was Leah Thompson's husband, who they were uh, um, con men. He I worked Beverly for the Hillbillies was like in like mid nineties. No, it was ninety three. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's earlier than I thought. Because I remember ninety four. I remember that when that movie came out, like it just wow, weird. Also, I forgot about that movie isn't um, Diedrich Bader in that movie, or am I Diedrich making that up? Diedrich Bader's first movie. As okay. Jethro Bodine. That's right. Um, but yeah, so like uh getting back to Home Alone 2. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> getting back to Home Alone in general. <laughs> so Tim Curry is the concierge. He does more than he is supposed to for his job. The manager of the hotel is Dana Ivy. She was the manager? Yeah. I, I thought she was just like no. Oh, I didn't realize she was the manager. I, I thought that she was credited as like front desk woman or something. Her character is supposed to be the manager. Well, shit. Also, I didn't realize this. Uh, it was uh, after watching this. I looked. I saw her, and I was like, I feel like I should know who this person is. She looked very familiar, and I looked her up. And the only thing else that I really recognized her from was the Adams family, which yep. is very cool. Uh, so that's exciting. What? <laughs> I didn't say anything. No, that's his name. We've had offers. <laughs> God, but, I love that. So, so yeah. Um, getting back to both movies. So we, we talked about in Home Alone 1, that's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Home Alone 2, the only thing that's really Christmas is the Christmas festival or Christmas concert at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching and it the Christmas time, tree I, at the end. And I guess going to the, going to the toy store. Because yeah. the fact that Duncan is going to be donating, like the reason that the wet bandits are, or the sticky bandits, sorry, the reason the sticky bandits are going to be robbing Duncan's toy chest is because of Christmas Eve. And right. it's going to make a lot of money. And he's going to then donate that money to the children's hospital the next day. So that's your dramatic tension right there. Yeah, but it, it's the difference is Kevin doesn't want his family to be gone forever in the first movie and realizes that Christmas means spending time with your family. And then the second one, he's like, oh, I know where they are. They're in Miami. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. He's much more of a dick in the second movie because he even says at the beginning, he's like, I want a vacation on my own or something like that. But like, 
Yeah, but Come if on, you were dude. a kid, would you really want to go to Florida at Christmas time? Uh Yes. Miami, Florida, not Miami, Orlando. Miami, no, Orlando. Okay, oh, there's there's the caveat. That's how Direct. well I know you. I'm like, <laughs> you're going to want to go to Universal and Disney. Absolutely, I would have. You're right. Miami, no. Who wants to go to the beach on Christmas? That's where it, it was raining in Miami. Yeah, that was hysterical. Like, that was just funny in general, I thought. Also, I didn't realize that it was Frank who picked and booked the, the motel, and that shows how cheap he is. <laughs> that he I, picked a motel and not a hotel because he goes, oh, it didn't look this bad on our honeymoon. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Fuck um, Frank one, McAllister, Toledo oh, Mafia King. One of my favorite uh, recurring jokes. So um, one of the cool things about these watching these movies so close together is seeing the, the callbacks um, between each movie. And one of my favorites is that they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in different languages in each movie. In both movies. That was very funny because it's French in the first one and Spanish in the second one. Right. So the crazy thing with that is I thought that in the first one it was the the one of him yelling at the teacher in French. And I thought he was, was yelling at his wife. It, so in in It's a Wonderful Life, he's calling the school teacher who who called Mary. That's right. They're, yeah. they're, they're, he's with his wife because he's on the phone. He's like, no, no, George, no, no, George. no, 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 Kerika. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know why I got those confused. It's all good. That's um, uh, awesome. Speaking of of callbacks, so you know the um, I didn't notice it until literally this time watching this movie. Um, in Home Alone One, when uh, Kate is trying to get home and she's like trying to get the tickets from the that that older couple, from uh, the woman, Dennis the Menace. First off, yes, you're correct about that. I forgot about that. But like she's talking about like the da- whole box of dangly ones, dangly uh, ones. In Home Alone Two, when they arrive in Miami and they're doing the hand down of the luggage, like uh, give this to Kevin, give this to Kevin, and when Fuller gets to the end and turns, it's that old couple that he looks up and sees. I thought like, it, it was. I thought them. it was. Them. I thought it was a different couple. Oh, I, I thought it was them. It looked to it looked to me like it was them. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Fuck me. Who do it I know? It should have been them, but it looked like it was them, and then they turned back and does the well, Kevin's Did here. you notice who the the um the the flight attendant in uh, 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 Charles de Gaulle Airport was? No. So it was Hope Davis. <laughs> What else has Hope Davis been in? I, she's I feel been like in a bad, every. She's bad boy. she's Tony Stark's mom in Civil War. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, it's got to be a superhero yeah. movie. I don't know anything about any other movies. Yeah, because I, I was like, she was in Hearts of Atlantis, and I was like, you're not gonna know that. She was the. I've mom heard in, of Hearts of Atlantis. <laughs> she plays the mom in a lot of movies. Uh, she was in <laughs> Mumford. She was in American Splendor. She's an indie actress. Oh, cool. But, but it was. It's just so crazy. Like. It, this was one of her first movies. This and Flatliners was one of her first movies. I mean, I've heard of Flatliners. Oh, she was in Syndicate in New York. Cool. Yes. Neato. But, yeah, so, like, see, once again, all of these, like, rando actors. Um, so, we should talk about Candy. John Candy. Have you heard the, um, I'm sure you have, have you heard the theory about what he actually is He's in the movie? He's the devil. He's the devil, which, I mean, come on, obviously not. But it's a cute little theory about how, like, 
when she's like, if I had to sell my soul to the devil himself, I would. And then he's May like, I talk oh. to you for a second? Exactly. And then he like shows up and pulls her away, which is so, cute. But. So the John Candy role in number two is supposed to be Eddie Bracken. It's supposed to be Mr. Duncan. Oh, okay. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I never thought about that. But Come on, parallels. Dwight. You're the best thing to happen to baseball since Cracker Jacks. <laughs> I, I, I always think of him from... Uh, from Rookie of the Year. It's been forever since I've seen Rookie of the Year, but he's the yeah, old guy I forgot that he was in it. That's too funny. Yeah. Both him and John Candy are in that movie. That's the one where like, the kid like gets like a magic ring. No, that's the one put... where the kid breaks his arm and the tendons fuse and he's able to throw and like he can a major pitch league. really fast. That's what it is. Yeah. That's my favorite baseball movie. More than A League of Their Own. More than The Sandlot, you goddamn monster. Definitely more than The Sandlot. A League of Their Own, maybe it's tied, but I love Rookie of the Year. Sandlot. Especially for the fact that Gary Busey teaches a kid life lessons. <laughs> Fair enough. I think my favorite is The Sandlot. Yeah. Off the top of my head. But uh, So the photo of, of getting... Before we get back to, to um, John Candy, that oil painting of Mr. Duncan... I always wanted that oil painting. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, I owned it. Like I want it so bad. I want to hang it in my office. Uh, one-to-one scale. Like, a giant, giant-ass uh, Mr. Duncan painting. No, um, I want I want the, the one that they used the in the The original one? I'm sure it exists somewhere. Uh, I always thought, hot take, I always thought Duncan's toy chest looked fucking boring. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, all the toys were, like, old style toys like 1950s and earlier toys which as a a hip 90s kid i was like man i really want some street sharks and some but ninja Dwight, turtles don't you want a ball in a cup no i want street sharks i need i need rollerblades and i need gem trolls and i need um all of these cool toys that have been i need uh the the, the dinosaur things that you know were Jurassic Park, not that. That's not what I was thinking of. But the Dinobots, maybe Dinobots. They were like ah, whatever. They were like trolls with dinosaurs. Oh, good shit. Um, you like don't want trolls. action figures <laughs> from the TV show Dinosaurs? I want a uh, Denver the Last Dinosaur action figure, and I don't think Duncan's carried it. I didn't yeah, see the like, Power Rangers section in Duncan's toy chest. Well, Haley was watching it with me last night, and she's like. That's F.A.O. Schwartz, but I, I don't remember it looking so boring. <laughs> I did think, yeah, I, I don't disagree with her. Like, it looked so, like, just bland and blah. Um, it's and, sad like, the, things the, that the Kevin... only thing I would want from that store is the little gingerbread houses that Harry and Marv are hiding in. You're not wrong. Those looked fun as shit. Like, that looked awesome. Like, uh, that was, like, legitimately, like, great. Um I, it also kind of bugged me that the only thing that Kevin bought from there was, like, gum and that, like, monster gook or whatever. He bought a Swiss Army knife. That's what it was, a Swiss Army knife. That's cool. But doesn't come back into play. Does he use the Swiss Army knife? Because he anymore? drops it. When? Oh, when he's running? Uh, When he sees them, when they go, hiya, pal, and he screams, he drops it. Because I only I know that because Haley goes, you just bought a Swiss Army knife. Why the fuck would you drop it? It was a beefy one too. It was like like a real, real Victorinox like half. Yeah, it one. probably had a blowtorch in it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And then so, he uses a blowtorch. So while watching it, Haley was analyzing Kevin as a as a sociopath. 
he he gaslights Duncan and then praises him. Apparently, that's what a sociopath and a serial killer does. Okay. Is Haley qualified to diagnose sociopaths? She has a degree in criminal justice. Oh, okay. So, fair enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So, so, she was also... Because she, she's taken so many abnormal psychology classes. In the abnormal psychology diagnosis, basically, for traits of a serial killer... Everyone in the McAllister family has them. I guess that doesn't super shock me. Yeah. Fuller is the one who we were talking about the most is definitely going to be a serial killer. Well, you do keep on bringing up Fuller. Uh, we do have to point out Kieran Culkin. Always Kieran cool. Culkin, my favorite Culkin. <laughs> Kieran Culkin has been in... I love Macaulay. Uh, Rory is fine. But Kieran Culkin has been in a number of my favorite movies growing up. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, so he was the one he in Scott goes Pilgrim, down. right? Yeah. Uh, I fucking love Kieran Culkin. Uh, Father of the Bride 1 and 2. Ooh. I'm a sucker for rom-coms. <laughs> Clearly. But yeah, but Fuller is, yeah, definitely like, like I said earlier, he's like, I'm, I'm going to piss the bed tonight and I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> like, Do you think he has a, a smile on his face there. while he's doing it? Like, he just wakes he up probably like, does- Partially no. paralyzed. I, I assume he just does it. Like he just like oh, wakes he stands up and he's on the like, bed and he just uh, pisses. Yeah, like exactly. Like he just does it and he's like, "That'll teach him." Like he just, you know, not that he does it in his sleep. He just enjoys doing it. Like the I, monster I will say, that he is. So I'm not proud to admit this, but you've done uh, that <laughs> no. daily, <laughs> every day. Uh, no, um, as a kid. His dinosaur pajamas that he has, I had those. Oh, did they make peeing the bed easier? I didn't pee the bed. I'm just saying. I stopped when I was four like a normal person. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite trap that Kevin concocts? For the first movie or the second one? What, first one, then the other. Okay, so in the first one... Uh... As a kid, the one that I would always laugh at the most would be the blowtorch. Yep, that's fair. Um, because then he does the handstand into the snow. Um, second movie, it has to be when uh, Stern electrocutes himself, and then he turns into the skeleton, the, the skeleton, the skeleton, and just starts screaming. Oh, that's His what I mean. Scream. That's what I mean when I was saying earlier. The second one's just a cartoon, like that sequence. I remember that from the trailer, like them showing him being a skeleton. Like that absolutely was hysterical. Do you know why they included him as a, a skeleton? Uh, I can't say it today. Skeleton, not Skellington. Was it to show that he really wasn't getting hurt? No, or? it was because in planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, the MPA cut out uh, when they're in the car and they're in between the two trucks. What's his name? Looks like the devil. And C. Martin is supposed to look like a, uh, a good old John, John Candy, who we talked about multiple times tonight. Yeah, we'll get to him eventually. <laughs> what if we never get to him? Well, that's been Ryder's Bagel Basket. Um, but but they're like, the MPA was like, this is too scary to show him like dead. So then like uh, Hughes got his revenge and they included that in there. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's your favorite? 
Uh, I'm going to go classic. I think the paint cans. Uh, I really like the paint cans in the first one. No, sorry. Reverse that. I like, the paint, I like the paint cans in both of them, actually, because in the first one, they're funny, and you're not expecting it, and like it, it leads to some really good physical comedy. And in the second one, they subvert it in a pretty good way. So paint cans all around for me. See, the paint cans really didn't... I was like, oh, that's funny. I think my top two were the blowtorch and the micro machines. And okay. then the, the the electrocution in the tool chest. Because I just loved the reaction of Marv going, it was the sound of a tool chest rolling down the stairs. And they crack their noses. I can actually do that with my nose because I used to kickbox and I got punched in the nose so many times. I don't know if you can hear this. I did. That was disgusting. (laughs) Ew. I mean, I can crack my knuckles, but like, that's gross. Yeah, I have like, my my nose is all fucked up. I got one of them Owen Wilson noses. Finally, finally, we'll talk about John Candy because John Candy's scenes were all improvised. Apparently, Hughes... Worked with Candy so many times that he's like, you know what? Just do you. So that's why, like, Catherine O'Hara, if you look at her closely, she is trying so hard not to laugh. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. why. Yeah. That's why in the scene when he's talking about leaving the kid at the funeral home, he goes, ah, oh, we should move on. And or she goes, we, maybe we should move on. He goes, well, you brought it up. And she goes, yeah, I know I did. <laughs> it, it's... um. Growing up, obviously, I didn't know this because, I, like I said, I didn't watch like SCTV or anything like that. But rewatching it as an adult, it is they are in those scenes. They are clearly in like a master class above everyone else in the movie, in the sense of like their chemistry and just like their free flowing like conversations. They feel so real and natural, and that's like something where only you know working together for a long time, I think can really provide is that level of comfort of like with your scene partner in that sense. Kate McAllister just gets into a into a van with like a bunch of men that she's never met before. Who is like, what is he? The, the polka King of Milwaukee. I, it's either the Milwaukee or the Midwest. Uh, the, that joke is funny though when he's like, poke, "Have you heard polka polka? Have you heard our songs? You know polka polka polka." Very big hits, and I think he says the early seventies or mid seventies, which mid-70s, is like seventies, early eighties. It was something like that, which is like a decade and a half prior to when this movie takes place. That's just hysterical. Like, we're still riding that like high of like he says he like we sold like two hundred copies of that one or something like that. Like, not a lot of music, which is very yeah. funny. Um, but like John Candy, his, his line about, um, her not being a bad mom, I just go, you don't really know her. Cause if you've been watching the Kate McAllister that we have, he was just trying to make a fellow parent on the road feel better. And I think he did a very good job of it. Um, yeah. That movie. Also, why, why is it that she's so dead set on taking a plane that she doesn't even think about. So when she's in Scranton, Pennsylvania, because mm-hmm. because I love, she goes, I've been from France to New York. So where am I now? To where? Scranton. Why doesn't she just take the train? Or like a car. Like, like rent a car. Like, that's what they did. Are, did, they, did they explain that? Like, yeah, she could have taken a train. Like, there's she, a 
bunch of things she could have done. Yeah, she doesn't do it. Also, it shows how impatient she is. If she just waited, she would have showed up at the same time that the family showed up, and she would have been showered. Yeah, she she shaved like fifth like t- five minutes off of her trip is like what she ended up shaving off, and just uh, obviously like it's your kid, so you're not going to worry about like money or anything like that. But how much money did she have to spend to get home? Like. She gives like $500 cash to that old people. Uh, not just not, that, but she gives $500. She gives a pair of earrings, a necklace, a uh, pocket first cl- translator. First, first class tickets. So she probably, to the dangly ones, she probably gave them like <laughs> and at a fake least $2,000. Yeah, yeah. Which no, is no, nuts. more than that, because a first class ticket in 1990 would have been about like $2,000. Holy shit. Because so that's was nuts. First class tickets. Yep. They were probably a thousand dollars a piece. And then that's not including because then she also got from New York to Scranton somehow. Um, just crazy. <laughs> One of my biggest issues with the Wet Bandits in general, and and it kind of plays into them being like cartoon characters. Um, we always had this theory growing up that if they just looked down and up. As they were entering a new location, they would never fall for anything. Did you see the the Family Guy? So I stopped watching Family Guy a long time ago, but there was one bit that they did that made me laugh. It was, we now return to Home Alone with competent burglars, and they're like, watch out, there's some toys on the, there's some toy cars on the ground. Hold on, there's some paint cans. And then, like, then Kevin McAllister is like, you guys better run, I have a tarantula, and they shoot him, and they're like, now there's no witnesses. I do not remember that one, uh, but that's very true. Everything you just said there is like, if if they had just like taken like five seconds to like look before they were going, um, especially after they figure out like he's prepared and is fucking with us, um, yeah, then well, would have been a very different movie. Know what Kevin should have done from the very beginning? Call, Call the, the cops, <laughs> right? Like I, they do set up him being afraid of the police in that sequence where the cops arrive at the house, but then he's already, you know, matured beyond being afraid of his house. So you would think that he would have gotten better. Yeah. Well, I think he's afraid of the police because he stole the toothbrush. That's right. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, of course. But I'm a criminal. (laughs) So, so, so Haley and I were talking about this um, because I had to tell her there was such backlash from the police department in the first movie because they made, the, the police department look really bad that mm-hmm. they, they're like, Oh, we got complainer on line one art. Uh, and then like the police officer doesn't stay um, at the house. Cause any good police officer would, would have stayed until someone responded. If there is like a child who is lost. Yeah. That's pretty, home alone, that's pretty serious. They would have stayed and knocked on that door and identified who they were. Yeah, they they should have yeah. said, Kevin, we are the police department. We know you're home alone. Your parents called us. They're on their way. Please let me in. I will show you my badge. Please let me in. And so that's why in the second movie, the police department is is shown in such a good light. Oh, yeah, because like the the cop that she walks up to and he's like, come on, I'll hop in. I'll, I'll drive you there. And like well, he does also have... in Miami, the police officer in Miami. Mm. Like they yeah, do their job. I love the fingers on that guy. That came out wrong. Um, but but he, when when he says, 
uh, um, Kevin has my wallet. And he just points and he goes, were there credit cards? And he just points at him. Yeah. It's like, you made a choice, buddy, and you went with it. Speaking of um, the second movie, can we talk about how coincidental the second movie is? Uh, oh, absolutely. In, in terms of, like, so the Wet Bandits escape from prison in Chicago and then get in a fish truck and go to New York where they also run into Kevin. I love these movies, but it's a little contrived. Yeah, it And then really they find is. him twice. They find that, that kid twice in New York. I lived in New York. Do you know how hard it is to bump into people that you want to be bumping into? Like, I made plans with, like, friends of mine in New York to meet up somewhere, and they met me in the wrong location, and they had to keep calling me to bump into me, and I never got to see them. Yeah, and they run into the toys. Like, obviously, it's a movie and blah, 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 blah. But, like, that watching it as an adult, I'm like, that makes no sense whatsoever when he goes to the top of the world trade center that shot gave me like anxiety uh for me it's being on top of a 110 story building like i my mind can't wrap can't be wrapped around like how something like that can be freestanding i i get that, the vertigo feeling nervous to me yeah it just seems i get the vertigo really, when really i look down i get i get like really dizzy um but i was joking with Haley. i was like I was like, oh, it's Pierre Le Petit, the man on a wire, walking between. <laughs> Did you ever see Man on a Wire? I about that. Or The Walk? I, have, I haven't seen either of them. One of them is Joseph Gordon Lovett, though, right? And the other was yeah, the one of them is the documentary about the guy who tightrope walked on the, on the World Trade Center. Um, and I just pictured uh, Kevin McAllister being like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm tightrope walking. I'm looking for a place to hang my wire. It, it's just somebody that they ran into in the first movie <laughs> when they're in Paris. Um, crazy thing is, I was actually thinking about the movie The Walk uh, while I was watching this movie because I, I saw that I made the mistake of watching that movie in IMAX 3D, and now when I think about it, I get such bad vertigo. <laughs> like I'll be like picking up groceries or putting stuff away from the dishwasher, and then I'll just get woozy. I'm like, oh god. I made a huge mistake. Yeah, why did I see that instead of the Martian? Um, but I think it would have been hilarious if they made a reference to Man on a Wire. <laughs> Kevin's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" When did he do the walk? Was it in the eighties or it was like late seventies, was... early eighties? Okay, so yeah, that. But he was gonna do it again. He planned on doing it again. Ooh. But he didn't. Yeah. What a dick. So, um, yeah. Also, the the cab ride that Kevin took. From JFK to uh, Manhattan, do you know how much that that would cost? In a that would have been like a couple hundred bucks, right? That's what I, that's all I could think of as it's well. A, it's, it's about so sixty five dollars. Yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe not. I don't know that much, but that he had a he had a thing full of cash though. He had like a thing full of cash though. Yeah. He, so I I was trying to think about that. Peter McAllister probably took like five to six hundred dollars out of the bank. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. He, because <clears throat> because yeah. he has that that um that envelope filled with cash and they're all fifties like that I can remember like yeah. I'm pretty sure they were all fifties so fifties and some twenties because I just remember Schneider being like oh no 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 no, no. that was funny if, too the if whole, they like, made this movie the today do you know who would do you know who I a hundred percent think would play Cedric 
the the Schneider roll? You. No. Who? Oh. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm I'm, I'm swarmy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, ben Schwartz. Oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent on that. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. And like I was trying to think of, uh, probably like Colin Firth or some esteemed British actor to be to be the Tim Curry role. Yeah, I just think they should get Tim Curry to do it again. Uh, and I know, can't I know, walk he... anymore. So he can be in a wheelchair. That's fine. Just one of those like automatic ones. Oh, Jesus, I love Tim Curry. I want him but to. You know what we haven't talked about about. Home Alone 2 in the Plaza Hotel. Uh, Ding, dang, dong. No, what? The famous cameo. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I wasn't even. Yeah. Uh, that was a weird, weird part of this. Like, I know I've seen it a bunch of Do times. Do you know the but, story like, behind that? Uh, he's a dick. So, no, what? He owned the Plaza at this point. And oh. he wouldn't let them film the movie unless... I love how we're not even saying who it is. Like, everyone knows. Everyone knows. I'm not saying it. Um, But he wouldn't let them film in the Plaza Hotel unless, unless... he was in the movie. Where? And then he, after a month after they got done filming, he sold the hotel because they were in bankruptcy. <laughs> that sounds about right. I'm not overly shocked. Um. Yeah, that was. A, it's a weird, a weird. It moment. makes no sense, and it shouldn't even be in the Plaza Hotel. One of my favorite jokes that have come out recently um, about that type of stuff is uh, talking about recasting of the presidency, changing it from the uh, Home Alone two star to the Parks and Recreation star, because because yeah. Joe Biden was on Parks and Rec for yeah. a couple episodes, a lot, which was funny. <laughs> He's talked about a lot. He was only on, I think, one or two. More than more than one time is a lot in my book for. That's fair, for a, a presidential or he was the vice president at that point. Yeah, but it, it's it's just so crazy. Like all of the the references to like the nineties. This movie is so dated. Both movies are so dated. Uh, really? Uh, I guess. How so? Because okay. the first one feels pretty timeless to me. Well, the second I, I, one I, maybe. Well, the use of. Not having cell phones, that's one thing. Well, yeah, but that's, is that date? I guess that is dated, but that's just, you know. Well, the, uh, the stuff that I'm referring to as dated stuff is like like products that they were doing product placement for that don't exist anymore. Oh, like, like the like the Talkboy or the Talkback or whatever that was? Holy the talk shit. The Talkboy, but also I remember in that. the first movie, the have you ever had Gator Taters? No, what's Gator Taters? I don't remember So those. So when he's eating the ice cream sundae. Mm-hmm. First off, that brand of ice cream does not exist anymore. That ice oh, cream I, was Ralston. Ralston okay. was was the ice cream was an ice cream company, but they were also a cereal company that made all of the movie cereals. So like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Nintendo cereal. I remember that. Yeah. So. Do they do the but, Ninja Turtle cereal too? Yep. So okay. uh, that ice cream doesn't exist anymore but the gator taters was the bag of potato chips in buzz's room that he was hiding that kevin brought downstairs oh okay gator taters was a like barbecue potato chip before lays released barbecue potato chips see, see nothing really feels like a reference or uh, a, a explicit like call to some sort of like 90s culture like the only like pop culture thing i can even think of is um like the Grinch being in both of these, which I think is pretty timeless. Well, also um, the, the VHSs too. 
Yeah, but the VHSs are fake. Like, are you talking about angels with filthy souls and angels no, with filthy souls? No, I'm talking about the souls? use of a VCR player. Oh well, yeah, but that's just like a time time setting. Like, I I, I don't consider that being um like a pop culture reference or anything like no, that. No, I'm talking I, about stuff being dated as in date, stuff that uh, doesn't exist anymore. Like, I gotcha. I gotcha. Like, Bell Atlantic is is the 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 phone company. I see what you're saying. Um, it, it is not a timeless movie in the sense that this movie could not take place right now type of that's thing. That's what I mean. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, in general, I don't think this, this premise could work nowadays to begin with because just, you know, the like an eight-year-old kid would probably, especially a rich eight-year-old kid that lives over there, would have a cell phone and would have some sort of, like, the there would be either um, uh, home security systems that have uh, cameras going on. Like, the or parents would have a... one of your father's hitmen for his mafia, like Cornelius, would show up and take care of you. Exactly. Like, this movie only works in, like, pre-2000, I would say. Like, before a rich family like that would have had, like, cell phones for their kids. Yeah. I mean, 2000... Definitely. After 2001, maybe not. Another thing is like well, the how late they're running to get their flight and they're mm-hmm. able to just get on. Yep. That, that is a pre-9-11 thing, hands down. That, that would never happen now. They would have missed their flight and then she would have realized Kevin's gone and then she would have turned around. Yep. And then they would have just got on the next one or something like that. Yep. And then Flying. they would have got robbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the whole movie would have been completely different. Oh, I, you know what might be actually a reference, um, a pop culture thing that I'm thinking of is the Michael Jordan cutout. That is the only thing I can think of that is specifically like that would be a, LeBron. A, yeah, or yeah, exactly, or even um, uh, Blake uh, Co- or like Kobe Bryant, depending on when it it took oh, place. Kobe, I know, rip. Um, but but yeah, Blake Griffin, uh, someone else. Larry Bird. Yeah. Larry Bird would have been super dated. <laughs> if he funny. had the cardboard cutouts of all of the Dream Team. The Dream Team, baby. Barkley, Jordan, Bird, Johnson, Johnson Ewing. <laughs> Love it. Um, um, but yeah, so so that's just another crazy thing about this movie is also how dumb people are. Um, one thing that drove me crazy, and this was an editing thing, so... When Kevin is recording Uncle Frank doing the cool jerk, he is not recording him when he's singing it. He he starts recording right when he starts laughing. Mm-hmm. So when they do the playback, none of that stuff was recorded, and neither was the, oh, Frankie, you naughty you're, boy. You're really cooking, Frankie. Yeah, because he had left by that point. Yeah, they just... And and also, it doesn't sound like it's on a tape recorder. It just sounds like the playback. Yeah, it just sounds like the ADR. However, we have established that Home Alone 2 is a cartoon. So, I I will say the things that I love are, are like, gasp reactions from people. Like, I love when Tim Curry just goes, <gasps> That whole sequence... Um, Speaking of like both movies having uh, similar things, uh, the video sequence in the second one I thought was really funny when he was like, "You've been smooching all over," and with the the, the cliff and like everyone's like, <gasps> "It's not true." It's not true. Well, like, also, that's... okay, so if they know that Kevin has a stolen credit card and is by himself, who the hell are they talking to? Who do they think is in that room? Do you think they think 
that his dad is there and that just the credit card in general was stolen? I don't know. Because, but- because like, Tim Tim Curry, when he goes in, he's talking about, like, oh, tell your father I'm sorry. I, I wanted to apologize in person. And, and, he's, and, like, it seems like Tim Curry legitimately believed that Kevin's father was there. But then they should have had, like, then he would want to arrest that guy, too, for a stolen credit card. Yeah, I would imagine they would have. And that's maybe who they thought it was. Another oh. thing that I didn't find believable is... No, no, how do I word this? No hotel had VCRs in the room back then. I never stayed in a a big suite, so I cannot speak to that, but you're right. I don't ever remember there being things like that. Also, when when we stayed at timeshares that had VHSs, they had the same three VHSs in <laughs> each room. So, so like... And I know for a fact I have friends who are managers at hotels that, like, have, like, well, back in the old days, before they got rid of DVD players. But those three DVDs, people would watch them all the time. Like, the staff would have those same VHSs in their break room. So they would know, like, that it's a movie. They would be familiar with Angels with Filthier Souls. Even Filthier Souls. Sorry. I prefer the odd (laughs) one. Yeah. Um, Uh, yeah, it's good stuff, though. Also, how the hell is Kevin going to get back home? He doesn't have a ticket anymore because the 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 sticky bandits ripped up his ticket. Yeah. Wait, wait. When did they do that? I remember them doing it. When, but I don't when remember he when. jumps, when he's running That's out the right. back of the plaza and he jumps, and they're like, "One way, uh, round trip ticket. You were supposed to go to Miami, and Marv rips it up." Yeah. Um. I don't know. I guess at that point he just doesn't care and is more planning on getting them to not kill him. Uh, he gets lost in the park and then he meets bird lady. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what also, his plan was. The chaos that the Plaza hotel caused for Kevin. Um, they should have, I know they gave them the penthouse suite for free, but they should have tore up his, his uh, room service bill. Bullshit. Yeah. You're 100% right. They should not have charged him for room service. Like just, just insane. Yeah, because you basically threatened him with calling the police. You caused a child who is a minor, who is not just a minor, he is 10 years old, which is not even considered a teenager, Yeah, to run into New York City, which New York City in the 90s... Ooh, was still gross. super dangerous. That the the they kind of touch on it when he's like walking through Central Park and there's like all of those people who are just like, hey little boy, you want a, someone to read you a bedtime story? Yeah, the prostitute is like, hey little boy, want someone to read you a bedtime story? Ew, lady, gross. Yeah, that's that's messed up. Uh, and like, <laughs> I love when he gets into the the cab. And he's like, it's scary out there. The guy just turns around. He doesn't. He's. I don't think he's trying to scare him, but he has such like a cognitive awareness of that. He's, he's like, gross. I'm an ugly man, and I'm gonna turn around and just warn this kid that it's not much better in here, kid. And he doesn't like laugh or like scream at him, but Kevin just like fucks off. And I don't know how I would feel about that. Just be like, hey man, just letting you know, I'm a nice person, but I'm very ugly. Um, I might scare Prostitute you. Prostitute, cut my child. eye. <laughs> Uh, the only I the bird lady felt a little extraneous for me. 
like it was I don't think it was super necessary. Like it was just because they were following the formula at that point. I gave her a backstory. <laughs> well, she well didn't she? She kind of gives her own where she's yeah, like she had a husband. But I get I I went more in depth <laughs> that she was on Wall Street. She was the biggest uh, salesperson uh, in the in the stock market. Had the love of her life. Basically, he left her. Her her love of her life was Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, and he left her for Daryl Hannah. She went crazy, and when they came to to deport her back to Ireland, she ran to the park. And they never found her, and then she befriended right. the pigeons. That, she used the pigeons one. to attack all these people. I used to think that um, I I never put together that she was homeless when I was younger. Like it just was not something that like occurred to me. And, and I apparently thought that she, she lives and hides in Carnegie hall. Well, that's where I thought she lived. And I was like, that's a cool place to live <laughs> like like above there. And you get to see all these concerts for free. Like that's really neat. And she, <laughs> she's a squatter <laughs> <laughs> clearly. And the weird thing is, so this movie's like 28 years old at this point, almost 30 because yeah. she's talking about, she saw, she said like Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, with, Ella Fitzgerald, Lucio Pavarotti, all of those people are dead. Um, yeah, she's seen a bunch of people, and I was like, wow, that's not that bad. She saw some good shows. Yeah, and now she gets to see John Williams. That was John Williams. Was it? I, I assumed it was, um, just because you know you have John Williams doing your score. You probably have that orchestra play in the movie. It just makes sense to me. Um, that's cool. I assumed it was that. Speaking of the score, the score is a banger. Like I yeah. really like the um the, this is an example of, of a of a small budget movie. Well, the first one was a small budget movie that um wouldn't have gotten made or released if it didn't have the score. It's like Back to the Future where the score elevates the movie. Mhm. I 100% agree. The whole um uh, do, 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 do. Like it's so Christmassy without being like a Christmas song. Like it, it is amazing how much this has become like an iconic Christmas piece. Uh, yeah. The the actual music, I I, I love it. You know it. there and, are lyrics to the actual song. Um, which which yeah, don't they sing it when he's like walking around and he sees the uh, the people. Like uh, when, when when he's walking around and he like sees like a family before he decides to go home and and protect his house. Yeah, there's there's songs there's there's lyrics there, right? Yeah, it's something in my, my memory. somewhere in my memory somewhere in my memories. Um, That's the name oh, of the fuck. song. Is yeah, I remember. I don't remember the rest though. Um, John Williams wrote the songs for that one and the one in the second one. Well, that makes perfect sense because you know he's awesome. he is not a good lyricist because those lyrics are shit. Yeah, uh, candles in the window, shadows painting the ceiling, gazing at the fire glow, feeling that gingerbread feeling, precious memories, special people, happy faces I can see somewhere in my memory, Christmas joys all around me, living in my memory, all the music, all the magic, all of the family, home here with me. That's something that like a schizophrenic says. That gingerbread feeling, something in my memory going in my brain box. I could see this as a rap. That'd be awesome. Gingerbread feeling. I like that. That's a band name, I call it. No, I, I wasn't even doing it as a rap. I was doing it as a crazy man just saying shit to himself. That that too. Oh, 
we briefly touched upon it, but Kevin talks to himself in the yeah, first he does. movie. A lot in the first movie. Yeah. I, made I used to do disappear. that as a kid when I was by myself so I wouldn't feel alone. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I still talk to myself like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the to the extent that Kevin did, but I, I definitely do. Yeah. Um, I did like how they personified his fears of the basement. Um, and they like with the. Oh, uh, I was terrified of the basement as a kid. Same. And I was actively terrified of his. I thought it was haunted. Like his, like the the furnace that like looks like it's a gaping maw opening up to swallow him to the depths of hell. Um, that was fucking terrifying. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated them like showing his character growth and he has like an actual arc as opposed to in the second movie. He doesn't really, um, yeah. no, he one. just commits really crimes. Good. Yeah. He commits a lot of fraud and just spends his dad's money and doesn't give a shit. He also breaks the window of a toy, fa- a toy store. But that was for the greater good, I would say. Yeah, but his letter is so, so funny. It is, He's yeah. like, I'm sorry, do you have insurance? If not, I'll try and pay you back somehow. I want to know how Duncan knows where he was staying and how Duncan managed to get all those presents to him without no. them waking up the family. Like, in the three hours. So, like, midnight is when they start... Um, is when when the that's when the bandits arrive, right? Is at midnight. Mm-hmm. Is when they they rob the um, at midnight tonight. We'll we'll break out, and yep. that's when they start everything, and then they then go back to 1 the house. Then at one thirty a.m. or two a.m. is when Duncan is like, "I need to get this money over to the." Exactly. Is that how long? It, so it's like two a.m. So then, like between that and when they wake up, which is they probably wake up at like. Yeah, maybe seven o'clock because it's, no, it's sunny I think, outside. I think because it's been such a long night for them, they're they're not waking up until probably like eight or nine. Yeah, I guess you're right. So that gives him like six hours to to get gifts, but I don't know how he finds where they are. <laughs> McAllister. Oh, I wonder if he's if he's related to Don Robert McAllister of the of <laughs> the McAllister at- crime family. With the guests of celebrity Ding Dang Dong staying at the world-renowned Plaza Hotel. That was Hotel. a fake game show, right? Yes, yes, it is. All the people because who were on it were real, Because they got real celebrities to just be in that scene. Yeah, I, I was looking it up. I don't remember who they were, but they were like... Wasn't one of them like Rip Taylor or something? Yeah, Rip like, Taylor and Jimmy J.J. Walker. And then I forgot who the woman was. I don't remember. I think it was it Phyllis Diller. Is there a Gremlins 3 coming out? Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I just, I'm on Chris Columbus's IMDb. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Phyllis Diller. That sounds right. Did he write <laughs> No, he directed it, though. Home Alone yeah. 2. Doesn't matter. Um, contestant 1, Patricia Devro, Amy Devro. No, those uh Jimmy Walker, Jane P. Morgan, and Rip Taylor. And Bob Eubanks was the Ding Ding Dong host. Yeah. But anyways, um, 200 points. All right. I, I so I was looking up um, the the actor who plays Buzz on Wikipedia and Devin Rattray. Yeah. And there's a listing on there for Home Alone 6. Do you know how much how real that is or if that's just a joke? I don't um, know. Because if they do make a new Home Alone with the original cast, I think that would be insane. Well, I, they, I I think I would be there for that. Obviously, Peter McAllister's dead, so yeah. But I mean, not to be you know 
a, a Debbie Downer, but that was 30 years ago. It's very realistic that, you know, someone's dad can die in the 30 years between then. Obviously, it like, just it, becomes like Kate Kate wants to be uh, start dating again, and she starts dating Joe Pesci. Well, see, now that would be awesome. I'm here for that. And like all the grown up kids, like I, I would be fun. I don't need like I don't need the extended family. I just want Kevin's initial family. Because didn't you say it's uh Pete from Pete and Pete was yep. uh one of Mike the Mike Morona. That's his name, my Sharona. Um, I don't see him here. In the did you just say one. my Sharona? Yes, I did. Michael C. Morona. Yeah. So get him back. Get everyone back. Hey Sunday, ay ay ay. Didn't didn't Macaulay Culkin like he's referenced this a couple? He did like a commercial where he re- reprised his role or Last was just referencing year. to it. Yeah, yeah, and then cute. then they did a commercial within a commercial of Joe Pesci watching that commercial, being like, "Oh, it was like in the movie when we did this." <laughs> I was, so one thing Haley brought up to me, she's like, "Why would Joe Pesci do this? Doesn't he play like bad guys and gangsters in movies?" Like, mm-hmm. and. The reason why Pesci did this is because he wanted a movie that his daughter could see. I think that's pretty common with um, these types of actors. Like, I remember... um, That's why Goodman did Flintstones. Yeah, and it's why Bruce Willis did The Kid, I think it was. Um, Like, that's pretty common for most, like, serious actors. If they have children, they want to do, like, something that their kids can see. And Pesci, I feel, was fucking perfect for this. Just because he has that, like gangster gravitas and being able to do this is is fantastic i do remember finding other stern movies after this and like wasn't he in like camp nowhere no that was christopher no lloyd. that was christopher lloyd he was in bushwhacked that's the one there was some camp movie i he knew was in, that I was the one you were thinking of yeah so that one bushwhacked was supposed to be a sequel to um home alone where it's marv on his own yes i remember that and and they're like, you know what? We can't get Pesci to show up in a cameo. So, but he basically plays Marv, right? Pretty like much, Marv yeah. who's gone straight. Yeah. The one thing that I actually love about the relationship of is it bad that I I really like Har- uh, Harry and Marv? <laughs> no, they're they're great. They they have a really fun um, repertoire. Yeah, rep- like, but but there's one thing where like Harry's always like. Oh, Marv, you idiot! But he also gets his input on stuff too. Um, yeah, they they trust each other and they, yeah, they respect one another. Like in in the second movie when he's like um, telling his plan and he's going in detail and he's like, "Now I was thinking, uh, Robin Houses is like no good anymore because you know that's small potatoes. But what what could we rob that uh, we know is going to have large?" Uh, uh, cash flow, and he goes candy hotels. stores. No, I was going with the the hotels, and then he goes, "There's no guarantees," because he's like, "That's a good idea," but I thought about that too. Like he's actually getting his input, and then, then when he said candy stores, Haley goes, "That's actually not a bad idea," and he goes, "Only nine year olds rob candy stores," and she goes, "No, he had a good idea." <laughs> Their relationship is actually really, really like sweet almost. Like it's the, it is a little bit abusive, but um, for robbers, it's it's really fun seeing them as partners. I I yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Also, Home Alone too. Not that the first one doesn't get dark at the end when Joe Pesci's talking about biting off his fingers. That's Apparently, a little Pesci bit actually up. bit his finger in rehearsal. 
And Macaulay Culkin has a scar. Okay, that's messed up. But in the second movie, like, they literally talk about shooting him in the head. They pull a gun out. Yeah, yeah, they try to shoot him. It's messed up. Like, that would not fly nowadays. Oh, another line that I say a ton from uh, Home Alone 2 is, Ah, turtle doves. (laughs) Turtle doves. I can have two? Oh, I just love, I also love the interaction with him and Eddie Bracken, where Eddie Bracken is like, oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You could tell that they wanted Jimmy Stewart for that role, but Jimmy Stewart said no. Was Jimmy Stewart still alive in 95? Yeah, Jimmy Stewart died in 95. There you go. Huh. It's always weird watching movies that are 30 years old and like there's a really old person in it like that, and you're like, that person's definitely dead by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked about this, holy shit, for almost like two and a half hours. Um, yeah. um, so let's break it up. And is there any more stuff you want to talk about or do you want to get? To uh, I think I hit everything that I, uh, that I thought about it. These movies are both fantastic. I think they're staples of the season. I really think that everybody should uh, watch them at least once. Um, I do understand if people don't like them. I think that mm, these would hold up better if you had seen them as a child. Um, but I think that they're fantastic. Um, the only thing that I didn't really talk about was Little Nero's Pizza that I wanted one as a kid. Oh, yeah. Little Nero's is a good... Th- that whole recurring gag in general of them um, knocking over the... Uh, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. sir. Oh, is that a fact? How much do I owe you? That's, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so how many bagels do you give the first one, and then we'll go into the second one after? Um, You know, I really like this movie. I, I can't think of much wrong with it, the first one. Uh, I'm going to give it a full 13. Uh, I, 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 I don't take anything out from this one. I like it. I'm going to do 11, because I okay. really don't like how uh, certain things are portrayed. I don't like like how they brush off Kate McAllister um, and how the police just walk away from the house. Um, Fair. And uh, I also can't stand Buzz. Buzz, I'm taking out bagels for both movies because of Buzz, because I hate Buzz so much. Very fair. Uh, so that my first is 13. Second one, I'm going to give 12, because it's just not as good. <laughs> Did you see uh, Macaulay Culkin's uh, tweet the other day? No, I did not. He goes, hey, everyone, want to feel old? I'm 40. <laughs> I, uh, maybe I did. I saw something similar to that. That's, that's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, also, Mac, apparently, whenever he dates someone, he's like, I know that they're going to want to watch Home Alone with me, but they're afraid to ask. So now <laughs> I just feel like, hey, want to watch Home Alone? That's pretty awesome. I, I love him on, uh, he's done like some stuff with Red Letter Media, and every time he shows up on there, it's absolutely hysterical. He just, he seems like a really like chill dude now. Yeah, he's so rich now that he doesn't have to do shit. Which is fantastic. But he still does. He's got the bunny ears, I think it's called, is his yeah, like, comedy but that's, website. That's, that's more of an eccentric hobby. Yes. Didn't he like pick, isn't his middle name Macaulay Culkin now? Like, didn't they like pick his name, his middle name for him? And it's like Macaulay Culkin, Macaulay Culkin. It's like Macaulay, Macaulay, Culkin, Culkin. No Something idea. like that. That's why Kieran's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to do? 
So and Richie Rich sucked. Uh, thanks. Hi. I like Richie Rich. Uh, you know, just kidding. I I didn't hate it. It but always that was, makes me want a milkshake. <laughs> I remember that movie coming out and then being like, "This is great." Uh, I can't wait to see what Macaulay Culkin does next. And he never made another movie. Like that was like the end of his like childhood career, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, I can remember. So being he then, w- yeah, for kid movies, that was it. And then he did Saved uh, in early 2000s, Party Monster, and then like a, a a few other indie ones. And then he randomly showed up on the Jim Gaffigan show. Like that'll do it. So, yeah. Very cool. So, Dwight, buddy, thanks for doing uh, our Christmas episode. Hey, Scott, buddy, thanks for having me. This is, um, these were ones, you've been asking me to do stuff that, like, I'm very familiar with, and I very, I really like that, because, not that I wouldn't have watched these movies, but I've watched these movies so much, I could just do them in my sleep, so well, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I, for va- For Valentine's Day, I'm making you do something that you're not familiar with. Very true. So, I've actually got some, uh some research to do on that one. Yeah. I think you'll like it. I hope I do. (laughs) But yeah. Um, and maybe you'll show up before February. It's up to you. (laughs) We'll see. Um, so yeah, I got a lot, I got a lot of like, like real talk. I got a lot of like projects cooking right now. So I'm sorry, Mr. Spielberg. I didn't know that you were so famous now. Uh, no, it's not. Um, I honestly don't know if I can talk about them. Um, it is. Is it that robot you're building? Yes, it is. Um, it's Five. in my basement, and it's my... Well, no, actually, the my whole house is going to be the head of the robot that will rise up under the ground, and I will take over uh, the country. With so it. you're making one huge Johnny Five. Yeah, it's just like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Didn't his house turn into a robot? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm doing. So, so yeah. Very right. cool, though. Do you well, have anything you, so you want to promote? Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I, I got no refunds, uh, the no refunds podcast that, that I do. And uh, there's this other podcast that I've been showing up on from time to time called Crash Test Live. That's really fun. So you can check that out. Um, and that might be where my next project lies. So are you? That's the one with all time low, right? Yes, it is the one with all time low. Yeah. Teaser. I'll talk. Um, about, I'll tell you off air. Yeah. Um, so I have uh, Hell is a Musical this month. We already released Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, Probably today when this is released, this is being released on Christmas, uh, our (laughs) Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas episode is out right now. That's awesome. Next month, we're doing the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies. And then, Ooh, that's a rough one from what I understand. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, And then in February, we're doing Dancer in the Dark. I'm unfamiliar with it. That's the Bjork musical. Oh, I'm familiar with Bjork. The Lars von Trier made a Bjork movie. Very exciting. It's weird. So, yeah. I believe it. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. And uh, one announcement that I'm going to be making sooner rather than later is that the um, website for Writers Bagel Basket is going to be what Curland on Film used to be. So, look forward Ooh, to that. exciting. Yeah. So, Thanks for doing this, Dwight. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Talk to you later. Until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. I'm Dwight Stearns. Bye. Bye.